is shaped like a sausage, about two feet long, has no head nor leg, and is so poisonous that merely to touch it means instant death. It lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert. Welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. This week, we have a a good old-fashioned Monster of the Week episode. Yes. Where we're talking about the Mongolian death worm. We're basically the X-Files. Basically. Yeah. We can only hope. There is an X-Files reference in my notes. Interesting. Yeah. We also have Dune reference. Yeah, we do. And I think even um, uh, Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. And Tremors. And Tremors. Yes. Pop culture tour de force today. Yeah. So just like mash all those together in your head. So Mongolian death worm, a very interesting cryptid. Very much so. It's unique. So if you don't know, which shout out to Chelsea, I have a friend who started listening to the podcast and at some point she was like, what the hell is a cryptid? Oh, shit. I didn't even think about the right. fact that some people might not know what a Just cryptid is. Take it for is. granted. Yeah. yeah. So a cryptid is essentially a creature that has not been proven to exist. It's not known to science yet. Yeah. So think Bigfoot, think Jersey Devil, think mm-hmm. Mothman, yep. Loch Ness Monster, all those types of things that are things that creatures that people have said that they've seen. There might be grainy photographs or videos that exist, but it has not been proven to exist and they do not exist in the official scientific cataloging of animals. Right. So this is, this falls under that. Um, In Mongolian, it is Olgoy Korkoy. Nice. That's good. We listened to how to pronounce it beforehand. So apologies to anybody who is Mongolian who's listening and like that was a butchering of yeah that word but there was uh one recording we listened to where the guy had a little bit more gusto when he said that yeah i'm not gonna attempt to do that so that was probably a very americanized version of a mongolian word yeah that would be cool though if somebody in mongolia was listening i hope so so shouts out yeah if you're listening tell us if you've seen the death worm right or death worms right we're gonna get into that we'll get into it so that word which i just said and will not say again (laughs) translates to quote large intestine worm sounds pretty accurate based on the description yeah the descriptions and the the illustrations that exist that are based primarily just on like secondhand mm-hmm. third hand fifth hand sightings yep. um so this is a creature alleged to exist in the gobi desert mm-hmm. which is a large desert in asia that yep. covers parts of northern and northeastern china and southern mongolia <laughs> So there's really not much out there at all on this creature. No. It's weird because it's like a fairly well-known cryptid. I've known about it for a long time. Yeah. But there's almost no information about it. There's just like yeah. vague mentions here and there. And like there's only that one confirmed, like quote unquote confirmed um, report of it from that um, Roy Andrews. Yeah. And beyond that, it's basically just been like folklore. Right. I have a theory on why there might not have been any any sightings since 1926 but interesting or at least we were talking about this before we started recording um it's very possible that there have been many sightings of this creature but since they're you know mongolian nomads with 
little or no, little or no access to the internet, it's possible that tons of people have seen this thing in the last hundred years and they just don't put it on Reddit. Right. You know? Yeah. So, Damn I mean, it. Why isn't everybody just on Reddit? I know. We're getting there. Yeah. There's definitely, there's some language barrier issues here as far as that goes. Um, where it's really one of those topics where if you Google it, you kind of get a whole ton of articles on it, but it's basically just the same information over and over. Right. They're all citing each other as sources. Yeah. Um, so first came to Western attention initially as a result. So Roy Chapman Andrews, um, he had a book in 1926 on the trail of ancient man. Mm -hmm. Um, so Roy Chapman Andrews was an American paleontologist, explorer, and adventurer. Um, he became the director of the American museum of natural history in New York city, which is super cool. And he led a series of expeditions through China and into the Gobi desert and Mm -hmm. Mongolia, um, and he has these very popular writings about his adventures and discoveries. Mm-hmm. Um, so in one of his books, so this is a fairly long quote, but quote, then the premier asked that if it were possible, I should capture for the Mongolian government, a specimen of the Olgoi Korkoi. <laughs> I'm going to have to say it again. Yep. I doubt whether any of my scientific readers can identify this animal. I could because I had heard of it often. None of those present ever had seen the creature, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. So from the cold open, it is shaped like a sausage about two feet long, has no head nor legs, and is so poisonous that merely to touch it means instant death. It lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert, where whither we were going. Ooh, whither. Ooh. Um, to the Mongols, it seems to be what the dragon is to the Chinese. The premier said that although he had never seen it himself, he knew a man who had and had lived to tell the tale. Then a cabinet minister stated that, quote, the cousin of his late wife's sister had also seen it. I promised to produce the Olgoi Korkoi if we chanced to cross its path and explained how it could be seized by means of long steel collecting forceps. Moreover, I could wear dark glasses so that the disastrous effects of even looking at so poisonous a creature would be neutralized. The meeting adjourned with the best of feeling, for we had a common interest in capturing the Olgoi Korkoi. I was especially happy because now the doors of outer Mongolia were open to the expedition. Mm. So it seems like this was kind of like he was psyched about it because he got to explore yeah. a like different shit, area. I'll try to find that, that Mongolian death worm. Yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Go out there. Yeah. And like see what else I can find. Um, and so 10 years later, he also co-authored another book about tales of these expeditions, um, a 1932 book called The New Conquest of Central Asia mentions it again, quote, I have never yet found a Mongol who was willing to admit that he had actually seen it himself, although dozens say that they know men who have. Moreover, whenever we went to a region which was said to be a favorite habitat of the beast, the Mongols at that particular spot said that it could be found in abundance a few miles away. Hmm. We were, were not the belief in its existence so firm and general, I would dismiss it as a myth. I report it here with the hope that future explorers of the Gobi may have better success than we had in running to earth the Olgoi Korkoi. Hmm. So that was kind of the very first mention in anything available to Westerners that this thing even existed. And Roy Chapman Andrews is like a, a legit reputable dude. Like he yeah. became, like you said, the director of the American Museum of Natural History. He was the first one to brought uh, to bring fossilized dinosaur eggs back. Yeah. He was supposedly also what they based Indian Jones on. Whoa. Yeah. I got those vibes when I was reading about him, mm-hmm. but I did not read yeah. that anywhere. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Legend. That's Another super cool. cultural reference. Dang. In this episode. Indiana Jones is badass. Oh yeah. If you guys don't know. The old goy Kor- koi belongs in a museum. Nice. 
you just said it for the first time. Not very well. And then just took a very casual sip of coffee. Ah, Like no big deal. So yeah. So like this, like again, these like third hand, like my dead wife's cousin said it, that they saw it, but still he's just like a legit dude who like, you know, he had never like white people had never really explored the Gobi desert before. So he's like, I mean, who knows what's out there right back in the days when like you legitimately could discover like a whole new wild species of something that's living in remote parts of the world that white people hadn't seen before. Right. So it feels similar to how there's, you know, species of things that exist in the ocean that we don't Mm -hmm. know about. It's just, it's so vast of an area and not even very hospitable to some of the animals that live there, let alone humans. Right. And places like that are so obviously a little different than the ocean, but it's like, it's such a large, I should have looked up how big the Gobi desert is. Mm. Damn. Every episode I have something (laughs) where I'm like, I really should have done this. Should have done more homework than I did. But you know, it's such a large space and not very, pleasant for humans to be in for a long period of time and so you'd have to go super prepared i'm not really sure it's possible that you could like reasonably explore the entire desert especially considering the fact that there are creatures including the mongolian death worm that are thought to live under the sand so it's not like you're even just trying to find it under some rock somewhere like it's under the sand right yeah we'll, we'll get into like it's sort of like habitat and stuff so the gobi desert is 1.2 million square kilometers jesus so yeah, that's, that's an unfathomable, fathomable, like, area. Yeah. Can't even imagine. No, it's not going to happen. And if these things live underground and only come up certain times, it's very possible that they could be living out there. I have a theory, though, about why we haven't seen very many of them. Big surprise. I have no theories. Yep. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, to get into the death worm. So, <laughs> it is, or more accurately, they are. We mm-hmm. have to assume... We talked about this with Bigfoot. Right. Likelihood of there being just one death worm. Right. Probably not great. Even just from the perspective of like, if we're considering this to potentially be a species mm-hmm. or some type of creature that we don't have an identified, there's not likely going to be a chance that there's just one. Right. Roaming the desert. So probably there's a bunch of them. Who knows how many. Right. But anyways, they said to inhabit the Western or Southern Gobi. They can grow up to two to seven feet long. Right. Which is terrifying. Terrifying. Um, they've been said to travel underground, creating waves of sand on the surface, which allow it to be detected. You've ever seen the movie Tremors? Yep. That is, just picture that. The creatures in Tremors are based on the death worm. Right. It's yeah. like a pretty accurate, I mean, mostly accurate right? yeah. to the description. Similar, yeah. Yeah. So, and supposedly they hibernate most of the year, except uh, it's said they are, they are said to be active during June and July. And even then, it seems like they most often come to the surface when it rains and the ground is wet. Just like regular worms. Just like regular worms. Um, the Mongolians say that the Mongolian death worms can kill at a distance, either by spraying a venom at its prey or by means of electric discharge. Right. Which is intense. It is intense. Um, some believe even that before it attacks, it will raise half of its body from the sand and inflate until it explodes. And that's how they spray the venom. Which seems... Like, cause okay, spraying venom is supposed to be like a like a, a defense mechanism. Mm. So making yourself explode does not seem like a good defense mechanism. No, because you're going to die. You're Although I die. guess maybe it's like a bee where it stings you, and I guess maybe because bees have like more of like a like a colony that they're trying to defend. So like one bee dying right. defends the whole colony. Or, but like, so does that mean that like Mongolian deathworms have like a colony that they're trying to defend? Yeah. 
they'll explode and kill the, you know, the the good of the many over the good of the one. Right. Well, you got to figure, I mean, based on the fact that, well, again, we're really speculating a lot on the number of sightings potentially because we don't really know, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like this is something that a ton of people have firsthand seen more heard of, which could be just a sign of it being more of a just folklore, Mm -hmm. or it could just be that not really, not a ton of people have seen Bigfoot either. Right. There's a, you know, relatively few people who have seen Bigfoot and then a lot of people who have heard of people seeing Bigfoot. Right. And maybe for a similar reason, maybe the Mongolian death worms are, yeah, like they are kind of keeping to themselves and trying to just defend. Right. You know, they're not going out and finding people necessarily, but maybe just if somebody stumbles upon them, whether it's a human or a camel or whatever, right. they are just like, hey, fuck off. I wasn't clear. What do they, are they like, I think they're omnivores. I don't know. It did say that they prey on camels and mm-hmm. other animals. But it also they also eat local parasitic plants such as True. the goyo. Yeah. So so it's weird. That, it's weird that it would be an omnivore. Yeah. I feel like it would be strict carnivore. Yeah. That's kind of what I thought too. But yeah, they're into into plants as well. They uh, so they Mongolians believe that touching any part of the worm will cause almost instant death and tremendous pain. Solid. Um, even the venom is supposedly supposed to corrode metal, just melts it on contact. That seems unlikely, unlikely, but, but intense. There's a couple parts that are very, it seems like the electric discharge and the metal corrosion seem mm. to be two parts that are like not yeah. uniform in the descriptions, but a lot of the other stuff seems to be more or less uniform. Right. Um, yeah, it's been said that the worm frequently preys on camels and lays eggs in their intestines. So <sighs> a few things that I read said that. Um, that the laying the eggs turns the camel a shade of red eventually. Hmm. But then another thing that I read said that the death worm is red because of the eggs hatching in an intestine. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. Like I, I, I could see like the, the mother death worm being, or like even like the babies being like red covered in blood as they like emerge right. from the camel, but like a lifelong red coloring from being hatched in a camel's yeah. intestines doesn't hold up. I didn't totally understand that. Which kind of speaks to, um, that's a very like, I don't know, like magical explanation of it. Mm. Of like, oh, it gets its color because it's born in like blood or whatever. That's a right. very like folkloric explanation for the color of it. Yeah. And also like why it looks like an intestine. Right. Yeah. Like something born in an intestine is just going to suddenly start being shaped like one. Right. Don't really, not an expert on. We don't come out of the womb looking like a womb our whole life. Right. I mean, maybe. maybe. I've never actually seen a womb. Maybe you've never seen inside of a womb. But some people have. Yeah, pretty sure it's not human shape. Pretty sure. Oh, this is, we've gotten way such off a the bizarre tangent. Yeah. Anyways. So, um, its skin is said to be an exoskeleton, which molts whenever it becomes injured. Interesting. Um, some people say it has no mouth, but then some say it has a gaping round mouth filled with inward pointing teeth. So here comes the X-Files reference. Yeah. Reminds me of Fluke Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you look at some of the illustrations of the death worm and yeah. then look at a picture of Fluke Man. Mm-hmm. Very similar mouth. It's horrifying. I feel like if a death worm bit me, it would leave like a weird imprint like the Fluke Man does. Oh, yeah. It's like arguably one of the worst things I can think of getting eaten by. Oh, yeah. Like getting eaten by a tiger would like suck, but at least it's not like, I don't know. It just seems like not as bad as getting like eaten by a giant gaping maw of a worm an intestine shaped worm with inward facing teeth yeah that just sounds horrifying it, everything about that the one of the descriptions said that it looks like a blood filled intestine oh 
God. Or like a blood-filled sausage. It's just all the descriptions are horrifying. Yeah. At least it would be quick. I have to think if it's venom can corrode metal, then oh, it's probably going to melt you pretty fast. You'd probably be dead before you hmm. get in there. I didn't even think about this. Again, coming to interesting conclusions while we are speaking. That's kind of interesting because one of the reasons why it can't really be proven that it exists necessarily besides nobody ever coming up with like an actual corpse of one of mm-hmm. these is that, you know, there's no evidence that it's killed anything, but I wonder oh, if this like, thing were to exist right. and it had this highly corrosive venom, right? If it can cor- like corrode steel, it's mm-hmm. going to corrode a human body pretty quick, pretty quick. And you're in the desert anyways. Right. So I wonder if it's just like such a fast, same thing with their, like, they've, like, never found corpses. Like, mm. it would have to be a vertebrate. And exactly. so there would be a, either, like, a dead death worm or at least, like, the bones of one. Yeah. But what if when it dies, it stops producing whatever mucus prevents it from digesting itself, and okay. then it digests itself in death. And so Whoa. there's nothing left over. I didn't even think of that. Whoa. Yeah, so it's basically just dissolving its prey and then dissolving itself, mm-hmm. and then all evidence is gone. Leave no trace. Whoa. It's crazy. We just cracked this wide open. Boom. Let's go. Let's go to Mongolia. Damn. I mean, that would be kind of cool. I would love to go to Mongolia. Can you imagine if we somehow go from like, oh, we're just doing this little podcast and we're going to go on like some adventures in New England, which we haven't even done yet. Right. Over a year into this, but we're going to do that. Oh, yeah. But, and then all of a sudden we were like, we're going to Mongolia. And then we discover the Mongolian death worm. Yeah. We find it somehow, even though we just proved that it kind of can't be found. Yeah. But we're going to do it. We'll find it. Yeah. So, looking at this from a zoological perspective, we know that it's not really a worm Mm. in the sense of what you might be imagining a worm to be. It's not going to have a soft body because it's living in the desert. Right. You know, worms are all soft and squishy and, you know, they live in the dirt and whatever, but, like, a creature living in this sand and heat is not going to be fleshy. So, yeah, more of a vertebrate. Vertebrate? Vertebrate. (laughs) Yep. Which, if you don't know, means that it has a spine. You know. Listeners may not know. I believe in all you guys. Yeah. You know. Come on. Trust Sometimes just words trip you up. It's okay. Um, so yeah, it's going to be more like a snake or like a legless lizard, which then sent me down a hole into what is a snake if not a legless lizard? Well, right. let me tell you. Interesting. Okay, here we go. I, I didn't yeah. do this research. So no. I'm I just got really interested because I was like, wait a minute. Isn't a snake and a legless lizard? like kind? I, when I thought about it, I'm like, isn't that kind of the same? I feel like if you looked at a lizard and you took all of its other like appendages off, it would just be a snake, right? Yeah, kind just of. shave the legs off. <laughs> shave the legs <laughs> off. So this kind of has to do with ancestry. So snakes are essentially the most successful of the lineages of reptiles that evolved into functional limblessness. Wow. How cool is that? Functional limblessness. Yeah. They tend to have longer bodies and shorter tails. Uh, snakes don't have eyelids or external ears like most lizards do. And many legless quote-unquote lizards actually have tiny vestigial limbs while snakes generally have no external appendages at all okay kind of cool right that makes sense not super different but different Hmm. so yeah so it sounds like based on the mongolian deathworms description it would be more of a snake than a lizard Mm. because it doesn't seem to have it out exterior appendages of any kind no and yeah it just seems to be smooth all over and the venom would track that it would be like a venomous snake yeah but then obviously that's where the similarities end. Pretty much. There are some snakes that can spit venom. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so British biologist Carl Schuker wrote in his book, The Unexplained, An Illustrated Guide to the World's Paranormal Mysteries in 2002, which I kind of want that book now. Right. Um, quote, it is said to resemble a large fat worm up to one meter long and dark red in color with spike-like projections at both ends. 
that thought that was kind of interesting because the general descriptions that I read didn't mention any spikes. Hmm. Yeah. Which takes it to a whole other weird level. Oh yeah. It just like, has so many like like defense mechanisms. Yeah. It can electrocute you, it can spit venom, it has spikes. Yeah. Just don't get and even if apparently if you touch it not on the spikes, it'll still just kill you. Yeah, right. I don't even know. Um, so okay, so there's this guy, Ivan McCurl. Mackerel. Don't know how to say his last name. But he is a Czech cryptozoologist and author who also organized expeditions to search for the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland and the Tasmanian Tiger in Australia, among a couple other cryptids. Um, he led small groups of companions into the Gobi Desert to search for the Mongolian Deathworm three times. 1990, 1992, and 2004. Hmm. Um, they didn't find anything. But he was inspired by Frank Herbert's novel Dune in which a giant fictional sandworm could be brought to the surface by rhythmic thumping. So he actually constructed a motor-driven thumper Thumper. to try to get the deathworm out as well as... Yes, a thumper. Which I was like, okay, there's probably a better word for that, but that that works. I mean, it's descriptive. Um, And even they set off like small explosions to try to... Jesus. ...lure these creatures out. Um, So yeah, he seems to be fairly crucial in sort of the relative popularity of the Mongolian deathworm in the cryptozoology scene. Hmm. There's, like you said, it is a weird thing in that it's really not one of the most popular generally. I mean, arguably Bigfoot is the most popular cryptid out there. And there's a bunch of others that I think are more popular. But I did know a decent amount of this before reading about it. And I assumed that there was much more to find and that really wasn't. Right. Which is just weird because there's not a whole ton of sightings. There's not photos or videos. It's just right. these. Yeah, there was nothing. There was nothing. no videos or photos or anything. No. Which so strange. this guy was kind of, he had kind of dug up a lot of this, um, the initial stuff that we mentioned from uh, Roy Andrews. He had kind of brought that onto the scene a little bit. He, um, at the, after his first quest into the desert, he published his account in uh, the Czech magazine Reflex in 1991 and then in another Czech magazine in 1992. Um, those eventually appeared in English in 92 and 94 in these two newsletters that were, I guess, focused around like UFOs and kind of odd topics like that um, mm-hmm. called The Faithist Journal and World Explorer. And then he even put together a 30-minute documentary called The Sand Monster Mystery. Wow. Um, that was broadcast in 1993. So most sources basically published since that time reference either source him or accounts unearthed by him. Wow. So it's kind of crazy that there's like this cryptid that is relatively popular in within this scene that is kind of like brought about by one dude. Right. Um, who was just really fascinated by it. And he like dug up everything that he could. I think him being Czech and I think he was living maybe in the UK or somewhere, mm. not in America. Right. And I think he had maybe a little bit more access to some things than we might. Right. Um, but yeah, he dug up as much as he could reading about it and just even through his expeditions, he didn't find the Mongolian deathworm, but he did from all the talking that he did with people that lived in the area, he concluded that he really thought that it was more than just a legend. Hmm. Um, even though he couldn't find any direct proof, he just was of the belief as we often are that like, there can't be so many people right. so deeply invested in the idea of this without there being some truth to it at some point. People are seeing something yeah. or they've seen something. Exactly. So, and it's enough that it has scared people to the point. And I think fear can be a big motivator for stories traveling through generations Oh yeah, where it's not just like some cool, crazy thing that happened. It's like, if we're talking about 
a creature so powerful that we're going to die if we get near it, essentially. Right. That seems like something important, especially if you are living in or near the desert and you might be exploring out there, hunting out there. I don't really know exactly, but just right. something that would be worth telling the next generation over and over, like, oh, yeah. watch out for this Mongolian death worm. Well, if you're a Mongolian um, nomad yeah. traveling from place to place with your, your livestock grazing, you're spending 95% of your time. Probably, I mean, actually, I guess 100% of your time because your yurt is just built on top of the ground. So you're just in the desert all the time. Yeah. Or I guess in like the steppes all the time and could potentially run into a death worm at any given moment. The same way you'd warn a kid, I guess, if you lived somewhere where there were like poisonous snakes or poisonous yeah. spiders or something, you would just be like, all right, don't touch snakes, don't touch spiders and watch out for this giant intestine worm that will spit venom at you. Yeah. Don't get near it and don't touch it and... Don't even look at it. Yeah, basically, if you see it, special glasses. Yeah, I wonder if it maybe um, the whole like even if you get near it, you die. Mm. I wonder if it has some kind of like poison gas that it produces. Mm. That could be, or if it can just spit that venom really far. Yeah. Right. Somehow, or I mean, if it is exploding. Yes. Who fucking knows? And that's one of those things too. I mean, who knows if I feel like if you were if I was in the desert and I saw something that resembled what this thing apparently looks like. Yeah. Based on the illustrations. I don't think I would stick around to look at it too closely. Oh, God, no. And so if somehow it did try to shoot venom at me and I didn't like miraculously got away unscathed Mm -hmm. based on my, you know, adrenaline pumping, like fearful recollection, I might be like, I don't fucking know. It spit venom at me or it exploded or something like you might not have a like clear picture of what had just happened because you're just like shit. You're like adrenaline. Yeah. So maybe that varies because maybe it somehow can do both, but maybe people just haven't been clear on what it was doing because, mm-hmm. yeah, they're not standing there like, whoa, what's that thing? Right. Most people, I think, would be like, oh, shit, <laughs> I need to get away. Especially yeah. if this thing, well, I mean, if it's, you saw a seven-foot oh, yeah. worm or you know snake or whatever it is, yeah, you might be a little freaked, especially if you are somewhere where there are poisonous yeah. creatures like that. You might not be like, hmm, I'm going to try to identify this one. You might just be like, peace out. Yeah. I would not stick around if I no. saw that thing anywhere. No. I'm definitely not a person as much as we try to act like we <laughs> would, you know, be very adventurous and like, oh, we're going to check that out and yeah. capture one or whatever is like, no, nope. I would just, I don't really want to die that way. the fuck away. Yeah. Just get away from that. So, um, in 2005, zoological journalist Richard Freeman of the Center for Fortean Zoology um, a nonprofit organi- organization dedicated to cryptozoology that was founded in 1992, uh, mounted an expedition as well, but he came up empty-handed. He actually concluded that stories of the worm's powers had to be doubtful and that it was probably just misidentifying other species. Hmm. Um, cool random aside, the word Fortean refers to paranormal phenomena, mm-hmm. and it is derived from a man named Charles Fort, who right. was an American writer and researcher in the early 20th century who specialized in anomalous phenomena. Shit. How cool is that? That's wild. I've seen the word 14 a lot. 14. I didn't really know. I knew vaguely what it meant, but I yeah. didn't know where it came from. Interesting. Now we know. Um, and then, yeah, there was another expedition in 2009, a New Zealand television entertainment producer, David Ferrier. God, I don't know how to say names. Right. Um, of TV3 News, he took part in an expedition and also failed to find the worm. But he talked to a lot of people, a lot of locals, um, and found that sightings peaked in the 50s, which is very interesting hmm. because a lot of sightings of a lot of things peaked in the 50s. Yeah. Which we'll get into that because I hadn't really thought about that until now. Yeah. 
Um, and then, as we've like said, that. unlike other cryptids like Bigfoot, there's basically nothing that could count as evidence. Right. Even a lot of Bigfoot and other things, evidence yeah. is generally deemed to be pretty doubtful, but there's nothing that you could even say, oh, they found something that maybe was a corpse or they there's a picture of maybe a death worm. There's nothing. Right. There's no like footprints or no, like even like you can, you know, doubt the veracity of a Bigfoot footprint, but at least it's something. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So that's pretty much all the info we have. That's all there really is. Yep. So theories. Theories. So number one is obviously that it's just a misidentified something. People are seeing like a big snake yep. or a legless lizard yep. or some kind of like canonical known to exist creature that is just misidentified. Right. That's probably fairly likely, but also way less interesting. Way less interesting. Yeah. Again, there are, you know, cobras and vipers can spit venom. Oh, yeah. So it could be a snake. There are, um, <clears throat> so there's a species, and yet, I, wow. <laughs> yep. Dang. You know, this is where editing our episodes a little more in depth could come in handy. It could. Um, we'll keep some, it raw. Yeah, we keep it really raw. Yeah, just so you know, we don't edit the episodes besides the cold open at the beginning yep. and tacking on music at the beginning and the end. Yep. We do these episodes just one run through. Yep. We may start it over if Gray messes up like the cold open. Yep. But even then, that's just, he just does it again. Just keep going. And keep then it rolling. once we do the intro, once I say, hello, welcome to a noble. Oh, yeah. We're going. One take. Yeah, it's maybe not smart. <laughs> But so far, so good. So far, so good. Um, so some believe it is a yet-to-be-identified species of Amphisbania. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't actually you know have what no that idea. means, no. <laughs> so uh, worm lizards, oh. characterized by their long bodies, reduction or loss of limbs, and rudimentary eyes. Uh, many species of Amphisbania... I always say words in that <laughs> cadence when I'm not sure if I pronounce mark them at right. the end. Yeah. Uh, most of them have a pink body and scales arranged in rings, so they do kind of resemble an earthworm in a way. Um, most of them, though, are less than six inches long, hmm. so not quite seven feet. And But they are also carnivorous. They are able to tear chunks out of larger prey with powerful interlocking teeth. Oh, wow. Interesting. But again, generally tiny. Right. So. I mean, the Soviet Union did a lot of nuclear tests in... I think it might have been Mongolia. I know that China has done a lot of nuclear tests in Western. Although, yeah, I guess that I guess the, if this dude um, Andrews Roy or whatever Roy Andrews, <laughs> wow. Wow, I got that exactly backwards. Wow. Um, if uh, Roy Andrews saw it in 1927, that was pre all nuclear weapons. So, mm. I guess that doesn't hold up. Yeah. So. Definitely, I mean, the biggest theory for any cryptid is that it's just something that either hasn't been identified or that the local people might not know about right. being seen and they aren't sure what it is. And so they're just, oh, shit. mix in a little bit of like, like exaggeration to make it seem scarier. Yeah. It was, it, it electrified me and like spit venom at me and stuff. Like yeah. just trying to make it seem like more intense than it really was. I can see that. Yeah hyperbole mixed with misidentification exactly and then pair all that with just literally the fact that it's just being passed along right from person to person and right it's just you know that game. yeah 
Exactly. It's just being warped a little bit, not intentionally, maybe a little bit along the way. Somebody exaggerates a little bit and then that gets mm-hmm. passed along and then somebody misunderstands or misremembers right. and it gets turned into a whole different thing. So that's really the biggest theory and that's really all I had. And so my theory yes. is that Mongolian deathworm existed either exactly as it's been described as this, you know, five foot long intestinal shaped worm that can... I would say spitting venom and having the um, horns and like sort of like inward facing teeth that all tracks with me. The only thing that might be hyperbole is the um, like electricity part of it. Yeah. Cause that just seems like, I mean like there's electric eels, but they are only able to electrify their prey or whatever as a defense mechanism because they're in water. Right. So it just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't seem, there's no other terrestrial animals that I know of that can produce electricity. I don't think so. So, that might be the exaggeration. But let's just say the Mongolian deathworm exists. Five foot long, intestinal shaped worm that can spit venom. Lives underground. Burrows or whatever. Comes up when it rains. All that stuff tracks. Because that all seems like actual behavior of how this creature would actually biologically live if it existed. Yeah. And like it, it's interesting because usually we don't get a lot of like information about how cryptids sort of like live biologically. Like we don't know like, you know, does how does Bigfoot have like, do they have nests? I I actually vaguely know that there's probably that a lot of people believe in Bigfoot nests. I love that. That's a thing. I have never heard that. There's even this place, I think it's in Oregon, where there's like three or four of these like weird nests that they found and they're like, oh, they must be Bigfoot nests. Did Total we talk tangent. about Bigfoot nests in the Bigfoot episode? Because I feel like I would remember that. Maybe I was so overcome with joy. Maybe we didn't. There's a podcast. I, just... I don't remember the name of the podcast now, but this chick goes and checks out. A Bigfoot nest? Bigfoot nests. But it's like it's like locked off. They have to like get like permission to go there and stuff. It's a wild story. What? Okay. So point being though, like we don't know a lot of like the the biological reality of these cryptids. Whereas the Mongolian deathworm, we know that they lay eggs. We know that they lay eggs in corpses, which that tracks things do that. Sure. Um we know that it comes up when it rains, probably to like hydrate itself or whatever. We know that it eats that it's omnivorous. We know it's like defense mechanisms. We know where it lives and how it lives. Like there's actually a decent amount of like detail that fleshes this creature out. Oh, yeah. Um, so say all that stuff, it's a biological reality and it exists, okay, up until the mid to late 1800s. So if uh, Roy Andrews heard about this, what was it, 1927? Yeah. Or he wrote the book. He wrote the book in – no. So he heard about it in 1922 and then wrote the book in 1927. Yeah. So – Say in 1922 when he hears about it, at this point, it's post-industrial revolution. Um, Obviously, Russia is like heavily industrializing. Um, There's a lot of new pollutants being put into the air and like, you know, coal burning. You know, it's Mongolia is relatively close to Europe where the industrial revolution was at its height. So maybe this Mongolian deathworm was just very um, like like susceptible to changes in its environment. So maybe either there was a temperature spike or um, maybe even a temperature drop because there's so much um, like smoke in the air that it like dropped the temperature or something or changed some minute variable in the Mongolian deathworms environment mm. that caused a mass die off of all of the Mongolian deathworms. And so it was a real creature up until the um, industrial revolution and it went extinct. And so Roy Andrews, heard about this what like second or third hand a bunch of times from people who had not seen it directly but they had heard about it being seen by other people yeah because it had been extinct for like 20 years or something at this point right and so there were people alive who had seen it 
but nobody saw it anymore because it was extinct. Hmm. So what if the Mongolian deathworm is an extinct cryptid? Interesting. That's my theory. That could be. Because, again, not knowing if there are current sightings of it, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that it's potentially still talked about. Again, if um, that guy had gone on some expeditions in the 90s and the early 2000s, um, he was still talking with some locals that potentially people had you know, still been hearing about it, still being talked about. They still had a belief in it. Right. But that could just still be left over from... Yeah, I mean, we still, was, we still talk about the dodo. The yeah. dodo's been... Ex- nobody alive has seen a dodo. That's true. I don't think. I don't think. I don't know. Damn. Well, even if it went extinct in 1900, hmm. oh, you'd have to be like 130 years old. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So, that could definitely be a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, I really have... I would subscribe to that. <laughs> As usual, at the end of the episode, yes. Gray's like, here's my theory, and I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds good. No, I like the idea that it exists... And I guess I do, I feel like cryptids for me are very often something that I'm just like, yeah, I feel like I could believe in that. Right. Because unlike the Jersey Devil being maybe the one exception. Right. Just as far as that being very obviously, I think, we think. I I agree. Deriving from those stories and gossip and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, But things like this where it's like, and again, maybe without the access to the literature that exists, maybe there is some type of story or legend the kind of like more of a you know a tale being told that has a lesson at the end of it type of thing right where it's like something kind of constructed to keep people out of a certain area for whatever reason or Mm -hmm. just to keep people safe but without that existing or us knowing about that it i would have to assume that yeah again that people saw something right it may not be a completely a death worm per se although like why not have that be the name right if it is something that is highly venomous there right. are other animals and creatures that exist like that. Right. It has that, like three ways to kill you. Yeah. So what more of an appropriate name than a death worm? Right. So I don't know. I think they could be out there. I'm not passionate about either. Like I, mm. I, I feel like it could exist as a real biological thing or could have existed as a real biological thing and is now extinct or is just really rare. Or I could see that it's just um, a fable. Yeah. I could totally believe that as well. Yeah. I don't feel strongly either way. I feel like we need we need more information. More yeah. people need to go out to Mongolia. <laughs> go out to I'm Mongolia. Sh- I'm sure nowadays Mongolia is still like hard to hard to explore. Oh yeah. It's a really inhospitable place. There's not a lot of infrastructure there. You'd have to live like a nomadic lifestyle to really like survive out there. You need like a local to like bring you around. And it seems like most of these, you know, they're you know, it's white people going out to Mongolia and they take, you know, a couple weeks, maybe yeah. even a couple months to like travel around but it's such a vast area like 1.2 million square mile or square kilometers right that's huge that's huge so you couldn't explore that in the space of a few months even no so yeah it could just be i mean unless there was somebody who was regularly out there or who was like living out there in the desert searching just for a death worm right i don't know that you would necessarily find it i feel like the chances of you finding one when you happen to be out there for a few weeks or a few months oh yeah just like if we have, if we went for like a week out to the West Coast and explored some of the woods to find Bigfoot, like what are the right. odds exactly that of the relative few sightings that we would have one? Just we it would just be right place at the right time. Oh yeah, I'd be super lucky. So I don't know that that's you know I don't think somebody going and doing an expedition and not coming up with anything is like proof of anything really. Oh, God, no. I well, think that's like, just all the time we find like we'll find like one random cave yeah that has like this species of crab that doesn't exist anywhere in the world except for that one cave yeah. So it's like possible. I mean, it's just like 
the same idea just on a bigger scale because it's a bigger animal. Right. So I guess it's possible that there's some little like like valley somewhere in the Gobi Desert or some little plateau where like the conditions are just right for these deathworms to live. And since they live underground and they only come up when it rains, the odds of seeing one are just way reduced. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, without, again, without the access to the information on it, it's possible that are people only seeing the death worms in, yeah, a very small area right. or has this been, have they been actually sighted all over the place right. and in various parts of the desert, we don't really know. So that, yeah, that could definitely be a thing too. If it's just like really hyper-focused in one area, then again, the chances of anybody seeing it and maybe it's just being passed around. The info is being passed around. Right. So, yeah. Interesting. I'd like to think that they're out there. The truth is out there. The truth is out there. The Mongolian death worms are out there. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Do you think these things exist? Right. How many do you think there are? Right. Why do you think there's so little info or do you think there is more info and we just don't? have access what do you think the deal is let us know and if you've seen one which is probably not likely but if you have or even if you're just from mongolia yeah let us know that you're listening yeah because that would be really cool we'd love to hear from you yeah well that is our episode on mongolian death worms here on unknowable unknowable love you <laughs>